when you're watching a South Carolina press conference online, you usually hear my voice first. It's not because I have an ego thing, it's because I have information that I want to know. That's the kind of access you're going to get with the Gamecocks Now newsletter. You're going to get all the insides of every South Carolina sport, and you're going to get it quickly in your inbox every single day. Why wouldn't you sign up for that? Sign up for a two-week free trial of Gamecocks Now, written by David Cloninger at postandcourier.com backslash Gamecocks Now. How's it going, everybody? David Cloninger with the Charleston Post and Courier here uh, with our fifth countdown to kickoff of the season. Uh, it's a question or a week with a lot of questions in it after a 16-10 USC, USC loss to Kentucky last week where the offense, again, could not get on track. Will they be able to do that against Troy? So we're going to talk about that over here with, over the next half hour. Please to welcome as my guest, uh, USC defensive tackle from 1999 to 2002, five-year NFL pro, the author with Preston Thorne of the Just a Chicken book series, which is a fantastic read, Mr. Langston Moore. Langston, how you doing? Man, we got to give you all that Michael Buffer money, man. Forget Michael <laughs> Buffer, man. You got to get the money, man. We we get him out of the way. We get you with Shaq and Michael Buffer, man. That's that's it. I like the intro, man. Thank you. Glad no to worries. Be no worries. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. I'm out here in uh, the big city of Dallas. You know, I make this part of I'd like to make life hard for myself. So even though we work kind of full time out there in the schools in South Carolina and speaking, I live out here in Dallas. So uh, coming back and forth, I guess the barbecue was just that good. I, I just want to make it home. So. Well, that's the thing. I got nothing against Texas barbecue, you know, but they'll throw beef out there when you ask for barbecue and, you know, <laughs> Uh, she's from James Island, I'm from Rock Hill. We got to get back here and have barbecue where it's pig. And there's that's right. About it, right? So absolutely. Let's get into it, Langston. I know you watch the games. I know you keep up with it. Those of you who don't know, Langston's a former sideline reporter with the USC radio crew. But uh, lost to Kentucky, which I guess on the surface is not that surprising. Kentucky's got a good team. USC's kind of getting into the first year of a, a new coaching tenure. But the offense, again, a huge question. What did you take away from the offense in particular again uh, during the Kentucky game? Uh, let's do half glass half full first. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we did get Luke Doty out there and, um, you know, he survived the game. So that was a good thing. There were some, some ways towards the end of the game where, you know, we had to get into throwing situations and throws and some things that I thought were, you know, great for him. It just shows his kind of competitive, his, his competitiveness and who he is as a quarterback. Uh, because again, we know Kentucky always, feels a great defense and obviously their coach is a defensive minded guy, but without the practice and all of that, I think Luke did, did a good job of, you know, trying to protect the ball. I uh, would like to see some more things with the legs, but obviously, and I'm sure we'll talk about this with the foot and those different things, how healthy is that foot. Um, but for me, the bad things is all comes down to, and, and this is not just SEC football. This is just football period. Unless you're trying to be the, the Detroit lions and lose a whole bunch of games, or almost every game, you gotta, you gotta be sound in the trenches. And obviously, defensively we're doing some good things we didn't stop the run when we could have towards the end of the game and that's kind of the thing that really gets me upset probably more so than the offensive line stuff but the offensive line really has to kind of pick it up because it's it's such a crazy juxtaposition between last year we couldn't really pass we didn't really have any expectations coming into the season about passing and now we kind of have a passing deal but last year we led the league or we had a leading sec rusher and you know everybody knew we weren't going to throw the ball and we still could run it down people's throats can you know, competitively and do different things. And now that's complete seems to be completely, you know, kind of gone now. So um, it's just been really interesting to see how those things are, but hopefully these guys, especially on the offensive line can pick it up because it's not like the, a lot of these guys, especially when I'm looking at from guard to guard, Eric Douglas has been there for a while. Javon Gwynn has been there for a while. You know, I thought this would be the year that one of those guys would take, you know, specifically Javon take that next step because he's, 
you know, he reminds me of so many of like these stout kind of offensive linemen I played against that I hate that are, you know, kind of similar to my size They're like six, one and a half. You put cleats on them. They're about six, two, but just as wide as he is tall, they can move you. But we just haven't seen a lot of that lately. And of course, Dylan Wanham and some of those guys, but it's to be expected when you got new coaches, new different things. But at the end of the day, it's all about getting a hat on the hat guys forwards. And if you're going backwards, you're wrong. And I like to try to keep it that simple. Uh, thanks for everybody who's joining us. If you have a question for myself or Langston, just enter it into the Q&A section on the bottom of your screen. Um, you know, Langston, we, we came into the season and it looked like, hey, the running game is going to be fine, but there's a lot to work on in the passing game. Well, the passing game, despite Luke Doty being out for two games and then not starting last week, has actually been okay. Uh, you know, it could be better, but it's it's been okay. But the running game is just not going anywhere right now. So in your expert view, Langston, what's the problem? Is it the offensive line? Is it the schemes? Is it just the running backs aren't hitting the holes? Uh, it's, you know, it's probably an amalgamation of all of it, you know, because, and if it was just like one person or one thing, you hopefully, you know, you could do that with substitutions or something like that. But uh, you know how it goes. And this is, I mean, as a guy who's been on a football, a lot of bad football teams, you're trying to get things going, you know, a lot of times, and that's the beautiful thing about, Football is like you can do all 10 guys could be doing things right, but somehow, some way that guy on the end not doing his job, uh, the defender will cross his face or uh, same way on the defensive side of the ball. The one guy that's out his gap, the ball just somehow finds its way to, to wind all the way back to that gap and it just hits the bar. So I think offensively for our guys, you know, the running backs obviously have to figure out different ways to do better. The coaches obviously have to make sure they put, you know, guys in good positions to, you know, be successful. So if you're trying to make Kevin Harris do things that are, you know, for square peg things when he should be a round peg thing, it's going to be a little bit tougher for him. And then you couple that with his own kind of like back injury. I mean, I, I, I twinge when I hear that because, you know, back injuries at such a young age, you know, how healthy is he? He seems to be relatively healthy, but I know for him, he wants to get out there and really, you know, get back to, to the form he was last year, because why not? Uh, there was no, you know, expectation for him to do that. And he's done it. And so, you know, I know he has really high, especially uh, high expectations for himself. Obviously the absence of maybe, quarterback pulling and doing some different things we saw you know Zeb do a quarterback run to start the East Carolina game that was great but I wouldn't pick the guy who was the coach getting the coffee and who hasn't ran a stadium steps and, and again God bless Zeb and he ran as hard as he could wide before he got those two yards to start the game so I like to see more of those things that lead back to the question about Luke Doty do they want to put his foot and those different things into those spaces uh you know because, again, it, it, the foot is such a finicky thing. You see this in basketball with bigger guys, but a guy like Luke, a lot of the things that he does is with his feet and mobility. And not to say he's Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick, but he does make his hay, and he does have a lot of confidence with those things. So if it's not all the way 100%, I think it was a play towards, like, the third quarter last week where he got tackled on Kentucky sideline, and it was the end of the drive. But, you know, he had the fat man trot walking back across, but that was more so because his foot was messed up. And he could really tell, oh, Right there in that instance, like maybe this thing is not, you know, as good as it should be. And so that answers my question why there wasn't so many quarterback runs and different things like that. But we do have other guys who have had some experience and, you know, I'm all about creativity. But, you know, Marcus Satterfield kind of posed the question earlier this week. Um, you know, we're not going to throw things out there that we haven't practiced, but you do know going into these games that you this guy might have a half a foot and these two guys over here have a whole foot. Maybe we can try some different things with them. But again, I just write books and make up stories for a living. And those guys, you know, they make six figures a year doing a whole bunch of great stuff on football. Too. 
That is the thing, Langston, and I want to be clear to the audience. Nobody's making excuses for this. This offense is bad, and, uh, you know, there needs to be some progress, some identity being shown starting with this Saturday against Troy and going forward. But there are a couple things that we do all need to keep in mind. One, they practice from January through the spring, through the fall, through the offseason, anticipating Luke Doty's going to be your quarterback. Well, he got hurt first week of preseason, and he was out for the final three weeks, didn't play the first two games, although he could have, and then he came in in relief last week. And then Kevin Harris's back surgery. So I noticed that last week as well. There was not one designed run uh, with Lou Goody in the first half. Now, in the second half, they started to open up a little bit. But as Langston said, you could tell he's not real comfortable on that foot right now. Now, he is completely cleared to play medically. Yes. He's fine. But if, you know, when he when you ask him, Luke, how you feel? And he says, oh, I'm good. You have to realize it's probably not feeling what he was before the surgery and that's to be expected so they'll just have to you know kind of take what they can get and I know that USC fans don't want to hear that right now but it pretty much is what it is and the main thing I think you can do to prevent that to really kind of quit putting it all in Luke Doty's hands try to get the running back started you got to scheme it up a little better Lags to see if you can agree with me on this when they're trying to run inside zone or straight power straight up the middle it's not working they're moderate success on the edges, especially if they get Juju McDowell in the game. What do you think they have to do to keep building on those strengths and say it's got to work from the beginning, it's got to start soon against Troy? What has to happen in order to do that? Well, for the last two weeks, the nose tackle, 99 for Georgia, and of course, uh, I think it was number 54, Kentucky, just dominated the interior too. And one guy took up two spaces, basically took care of three guys, and that's why we couldn't get any movement, any push those things and again we the team the offensive line the scheme they all have to figure out different ways to do this now again there's a lot of ways to do this it can be some you know you can overset some of these guys you can try to maybe get some of these big guys moving and running so they they get out of these gaps but the high level that most of those two defensive tackles played with the last couple of weeks they're they're higher level guys so you know it's probably going to be more of a concentrated effort to get some of those things that's another thing i wish i would see more of is that sdd stuff that screen draws and delays um, now, again, I do know we do the bubble screen and we do some different things like that. But one of the things that I, I think we don't utilize enough is, you know, figuring out different ways to, of course, pass on early downs, first downs, but then coming back with some screens and draws and getting guys running all over the place and defense alignment running all over the place. And that kind of slows a little bit of that up the field stuff. Now, the last two weeks, the two defenses that we face, that is the, the cornerstone of what, what the philosophies are, setting the edges on the corners and making sure their defensive linemen get upfield, put you in long situations and just get after you and just make you sick from a pass rushing standpoint, and then making sure everybody's on their assignment. Kentucky did that. They did that with the boundary blitzes. They did that very well with putting us in, in predictable kind of passing situations. Obviously, uh, Georgia did that as well. So I think the biggest thing what we have to do is marry up some different personnel things. You know, one doesn't have, you know, we just don't have to have Marshawn Lloyd and Juju uh, separate. Maybe we can figure out some ways to get these guys on the field and do personnel things. This is some of the stuff I kind of was hoping to, to, to see uh, Satterfield kind of introduce and maybe with the, with the augmentation of, uh, you know, Eric Kimry and some of the creative different things that these guys can do is just getting guys and kind of match up 12 personnels. But what does the 12 personnel really look like? You know, uh, we saw our tight end get in the fullback position and give some guys some deal. Maybe that was more of a gimmick, but when you start really putting those things on tape, um, you can start getting guys in fits. And especially I like last week's progression of the offense where we kind of did the muddle huddle and looked to the sideline because the week before and the weeks before we didn't see that. And maybe that was something that maybe we were saving for the Georgia game. They didn't get a chance to do, but um, my other 
point to that is when you do the check with me and get everybody to the line quick so you can't let the defense sub and you look, uh, that's when the offense and the de- offensive coaches are able to maybe should be getting some looks at what defensive things are coming and kind of make. So that's why it was really frustrating for me to see these boundary blitzes and things like, you know, I'm an old guy and I can see these things coming. So how come the coaches aren't, you know, running the plays opposite of that? Or was it just, you know, pure arrogance? I'm not sure. But point being is uh, personnel, you know, getting guys lined up and just doing the little things. You know, it sounds really trite, but the more you do those things, that's how big runs break. That's how we've seen Kevin Harris do those things. It's kind of like that boxer, you know, those body blows keep getting you. And then we see Kevin Harris strike out for, you know, 40, 50 yards last year. We hadn't seen this this year. So it all goes back to those things. I think we can figure out some different personnels. And you hear Shane Beamer say this all the time, players and not plays. But sometimes you got to be thinking about, you know, what plays and what players and personnels, all of those P's go together. And the more you can do that and get that on, on par, the more you can have some success. But ultimately, it goes back to this number one question. When it comes down to like fourth and two or fourth and one or third and short, who are we? What are we going to do when it comes time to try to get those plays? And I think that question is still out there for us to answer because we had four opportunities last week and ultimately we didn't convert on any of them. And that makes you really sick when you lose a, score, a close score game like that. And obviously, Langston, I've been talking about it all week. It's been in the paper all week. Everybody's, you know, chirping on Twitter and everything else about what is wrong with this offense. Well, I wish there was a definite answer. I wish there was a definite solution. And I wish I could promise, hey, it's all going to be okay on Saturday. I can't do that. We're all just going to have to see what's going to happen and say, okay, if it's showing progress, if it shows an identity, if you can see it building on Saturday, that's good. If it doesn't, well, it's going to be just another week of this, but the pressure is going to be even more immense on Shane Beamer to try to shake something up. So the good thing is he won't have to do that with Gamecocks defense. Right. Games, I have been stunned by the success of this defense. It has played very well. When you really consider Langston that it probably shouldn't be. You knew that it was going to be good up front. You didn't know what the linebackers were going to be like, and now they're playing without Sherrod Green, and you really didn't know what the secondary was going to look like. With all those guys who transferred with the two guys that went pro, you thought, man, this secondary might be kind of rough. Well, I mean, they're playing great. They've had multiple takeaways in every game. And something that you just love to see, Jalen Foster, walk-on scout teamer, two years ago. He, right now he's tied for the national lead in interceptions with four. And he's a guy that's trending, at least, to be a first-team All-American. So just a general sense, Laxton, how is this defense playing and, and what are they doing to make them have that success? Well, they're playing really sound. They're playing hard, obviously. They're, they're getting lined up. That's one of the biggest things I always say, especially early on, with so many different spreads and different looks that people put out there. You know, with college guys, you really don't ever get preseason to try to get guys lined up in situations. So, you know, kudos off to the coaches. It sounds like I'm kind of just maybe patting guys on the back for doing what they want to do, uh, doing what they should do. But like a coach told me a long time ago, miss alignment, miss assignment, beat you quicker than a mismatch. And we know there's tons of mismatches on our roster when we can put it up against different SEC teams, but it comes back to that whole deal of making sure everybody gets up, lines up, plays fast, seeing guys like Jabari Ellis play kind of coming to the table and doing what they need to do. Of course, uh, Kingsley and Ibarre, uh looking for guys like Jordan Burst to maybe step it up. He had that great big athletic play, but, you know, just letting it loose a little bit more. Um, great big round of applause to Damani Staley because, you know, he's been one of those guys for years that, you know, you, you hope he would kind of make the progression from, you know, a local guy to special teams guy and then the starter and be kind of that legacy guy. And it never really worked out that way. But he's been thrust into it and he helped us get back into the East Carolina game. He's been flying all over the place, making plays um, and hats off to him to doing that. And, and again, you know, everybody else for picking that up. Um, that really helps. And like you said, the foster kid going back there, 
you know, him having, I think it's four interceptions now. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. And I look at him, I always take it back to uh, not Bryson Allen, but what was the other kind of chunky Bryson we had a few years ago with Spurs? Bryson Williams. Bryson, Bryson Williams. Williams. And again, Bryson had the, the, all, the defensive line gut hanging, but he was back there making plays and banging people. He really <laughs> reminds me of that guy. But you think about Bryson and, the, and, and, the, and that team, that Spurrier team, there were a lot more talented guys, but everybody was competing to make plays because they know, hey, man, you know, Swearinger or somebody else might do it. So hopefully this is kind of what I see kind of ramping up Jabari, all these guys making the plays. Now, the disheartening thing is that you got to stop the run at the end of the game. And as much as I love to see us making plays and kind of, you know, I want to see more knock them back. I want to see more tackles for a loss. Now, you, you know, you compare that to what's coming into the stadium and what we're going to do face against weekend. You know, Troy has a team that has a whole bunch of sacks. They lead with tackles for a loss. They're a really defensive-led team, and it seems like they all have been like that since OCU Manure all the way back to a man who played for the Dallas Cowboys, all those guys. Like, they just get all of those guys from Troy to just play with their hair on fire and, and try to come in these places and do what most Sunbelt teams do and just try to wreck certain things. So I would like to see our defense, you know, continue that kind of deal of we'd love to get the turnovers, but – you know, as a guy, I, I, I love turnovers, but you can't rely on them. And because it's just like three-point shooting. You can go, like, for, like, a whole first half of the season, you're banging them. And then all of a sudden, you can just fall off a cliff and you hadn't done anything else. You're eating the same grits. You're wearing the same socks. I don't know. And and I look at the, the, the turnovers last week. It's like, was 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 that, that, that helmet on the football more of a missed tackle? Or was that he was he really going for was the punch more of a reaching kind of grab you weren't running your feet to make the tackle and we just got lucky and punched it out or was that something that was coached for now I'll err on the side that we're coaching this up and we're doing that but there could be a possibility where all this swath of interceptions and turnovers and different things are coming that it dries up for three or four weeks and then what are we going to do and that's when we need our offense now we have been really good on third down we have been figuring out different ways but again Troy's been good on third down as well their offense has been kind of bad on third down but Hopefully, again, more confidence, more things. And I always say this is the beauty of being like a young guy. You're young and dumb. So you can go out there and have a whole bunch of great plays against Troy and that give you a whole bunch of confidence. You'd be like, man, we did it against Troy. Let's do it against Tennessee. You can say, slow down a little bit. Or you can say, yeah, yeah, young fella, go ahead out there and do that. Because, you know, those things, apples, they're not apples for apples, but confidence is a big thing, especially when you're young. You can kind of feel that. But it also works the other way. Um, some of the successes that you had can get wiped away relatively quickly if you don't make sure you're keeping up the progress and letting these young guys know how far they've come for sure. One thing, just looking at Troy and, and a very, very quick review, their defense has obviously got a lot of numbers. They like to fly to the ball. They've got some guys that can get in the backfield and really make you hurt. But their offense, despite being coached by an offensive guy, not really doing that well. I mean, they, they like to throw a lot, but they don't like to really attack downfield. They work the edges. Got a solid running back, a solid running game, but nothing that's really going to frighten you. So you look at it from just that point and say, man, this game might be seven to three in the fourth quarter because they're just going to be going at it between the goal lines. So you just got to hope that USC can come out ahead in that battle. But, you know, not to put you on the spot, Langston, but can you see either team scoring more than 20 points this game without some kind of defensive touchdown? I can see us scoring some 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 points, but you know, I, I do wear glasses too, so you know, I'm trying to <laughs> um, it might be one of those deals or where you know maybe it won't be a defensive touchdown, but it has to be a defense setting up a score or special teams. It has been a few weeks since we kind of seen those special teams deal, and 
Uh, I would have liked to see us doing different things. Maybe Georgia game, you know, we talked about first half, you know, maybe them pinning us deep versus us trying to go after their punt, different things like that. Uh, I think we maybe flinched a little bit there on that opportunity there. And then obviously we got the safety and there was a whole bunch of different things. But this is an opportunity for us to really use the Pete Lambos and all these different guys and young guys got a, a team of guys who maybe are like scratching and starting. There's not really much differentiator between maybe the first team cornerback and the second team quarterback because of experience, you know, put a lot of those guys on special teams and tell them, you know, this is a one play rep, rep max opportunity for you to go out there. You make some plays, maybe this gets into the starting. Day. Um, but again, these are all things that hopefully they've been building up through camp and they kind of show themselves against a team like Troy, because, you know, everybody forgets about that third facet, you know, special teams, but defense and offense, you can score, but special teams, you can either set up and kind of how our team has been set up for the last few years. I mean, we have always had a really good punter to punt guy, pin guys deep, and we also had a field goal kicker. And I think that's also one of the things that made last week kind of just like, uh, <laughs> if we hadn't been doing anything these last few years, besides not winning, we've been kicking field goals. So, you know, in a game that close, let's kick that field goal, especially when the offense and the quarterback, but, Hindsight is 2020, of course. Uh, so I think it's one of those deals, especially for the Troy game. I do see an opportunity for us to go out there to make, you know, possibly get the run game going wrongs and do some of the things. Because again, we are an SEC team on, on the surface and do have depth and do have some of these things. But Troy also wants to come in here and knock. Yeah. Lyson, you still there? Kind of frozen up a little bit. Well, while they're getting that, those video issues resolved, I mean, obviously it is going to be a fight in the trenches. It always is. South Carolina does have a solid special teams unit. I mean, I've been leading the charge to say, you know, Parker White, don't send the guy out there to kick a 50-yard field goal just because it's not that he doesn't want to do it, but he's not physically capable of doing it. Last week, of course, he comes out to try a 54-yarder and stripes it right down the middle. So you got to like having that uh, ability to know that, hey, Maybe the guy's going to to really give you something that you're not expecting to do. So going to be a tough game. Um, you know, everybody says, oh, it's Troy. But South Carolina, I think, is only about a seven-point favorite. Not that betting odds really mean a whole lot of uh, this thing. I uh, believe we lost Langston. He's probably going to be joining right back home. Uh, got some technical difficulties uh, going on right now. Um, but with Troy, you can't overlook them. This is a team that's beaten five power five opponents since 2001 and always on that power five opponents home field. Now in that same stretch, USC has played Troy three times and has won them all the last coming in the 2010 season when Marcus Lattimore ran all over them. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I know that you guys want to have uh, you know, questions answered and all that kind of thing. And, and I'm asking the questions and I thought Marcus Satterfield gave a great answer the other day when he was just completely honest and said, Hey, it is my fault. And I'm hundred percent answering this that, I wish that there was one issue that we could pin the offensive struggles on, but sometimes it's bad footwork. Sometimes this group's not doing what it's supposed to do while this group is. And it's just an amalgamation of all those things that have combined into this offense. So, Langston, good to see you back. Sorry about those technical difficulties there. But, man, let's, let's get into your career, 99 to 02. You kind of saw the good and the bad during, yeah. during your career. Obviously, 99 coming in with Coach Holtz. Things don't go well that year, but you could see the progress coming. And in 2000, 2001, you guys won 17 games. Just do you see a little bit of a similarity in that and Shane Beamer's first year to where you want to see that progress coming because you know success will come after it? Yeah, and I think they're way ahead. They're, I mean, no, you know, don't look for these guys to lose the rest of the games or anything. 
think they're way ahead. But I think the big similarity I see, and again, the message might be altered a little bit, but you know, their their whole mantra of love and uh, love above all else, struggling well, you know, the collection of kind of ideologies all these guys have put together. Um, understanding what was here before uh, with Coach Muschamp and maybe how really um, sterile and kind of uh, Silicon Valley, new startup, you know, you know, nice new shiny stuff, but the soul wasn't really there for a lot of these guys when it comes to the connection and relationships. And if you know anything about specifically that, that level of college football, relationships really matter, especially with these guys who are big physically like they're men, but they're really putting in, as my, 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 my literacy partner here, uh, Preston Thorne always says, they're, they're uncooked brownies. They, they, they tough on the outside, but they real soft and gooey on the inside. And a lot of times, you know, they're crying. So for us, when Coach Holmes got there, the biggest thing he always tried to implement was this thing of trust, care, and commitment. You know, can I trust you? Uh, are you committed? And do you care? And so obviously, you know, touching those things on, I mean, these are just life lessons, but trust, you know, can you do your job? If your job is to be three and a half yards inside leverage, all those things, no matter if it's the entire game or one game, can I trust that you will be there? Even if it's the wrong call in the instance, you're not going to go out there and wag and try to make up stuff. Uh, committed. Are you committed to staying and being in the call, doing everything you can to get yourself in there, be healthy, school, uh, committed to making sure your teammate doesn't mess up. I mean, all these different things, there's a lot of different ways to do that in the caring. Uh, obviously, that's a big thing because we saw sometimes last year and I think the previous couple of years that, you know, guys was kind of giving up. And that was kind of the encouraging thing. If I, you know, the other thing from the Georgia game were just the competitiveness towards the end. Usually when the game's kind of out of that reach and it's a it's an away game, most guys are on the sideline like, man, ain't nobody paying attention. Let's just hurry up, try to get this out there. But no, we saw Strill trying to make strides and make plays and trying to get stops even though that was a big kind of a, kind of like a screen door at the ocean trying to keep the water back. It was tough, but it's still kind of, you know, I, I would rather see that effort than anything. And I think Shane and those guys are trying to repackage and re figure out unique ways to present that message. And I do think that's what their, their whole deal is now. You know, when you hear these kind of uh, tropes of like love above everything else and people think, oh, that's kind of like a, you know, a soft kind of, you know, mentality. We don't think about these things, but I always say the stance that love means saying yes and no. Love means telling you you're wrong and love means telling you you're right, but you're not as right as you could be. And think about your parents or like, you know, your dad will tell you like, man, you good, but man, you ain't Joe Lewis. You know, Joe Lewis will whoop you. You know what I'm saying? As Richard Pryor said, Joe Lewis ain't make that much money. Who you think you are? So, you know, trying to keep things level for you, trying to keep that. But also, you know, I hear Shane tell these guys to kind of, you know, sometimes you have to, again, stoke their confidence and tell them, man, you're, you're really good. And for me as a player, I mean, I had a coach who did this for me when I was in the NFL. You would think that guys, you know, 15, 20 years into the league, seven, six years in the NFL, you know, for an NFL coach to be like, man, you know, you're really good, right? Because sometimes confidence is really fickle when you're talking about A-type personalities. For a lot of these guys, things have always gone right for them. And a lot of times when they get adversity, how do they handle that? And a lot of times they try to recluse and do things individually. And that's the worst thing you could do. You splinter off tighten the herd and I think that's one of the biggest thing that these guys are trying to do is make sure they all kind of move as one develop their identity there's going to be that tough love you see all that stuff in there uh, but I think it's one of those deals where they're getting the message a lot sooner than later but like I said it's a good year because you know the folks up the road have already got a couple of losses more than they had in the last you know three or four years but you know the things that Shane is doing and the way he's trying to build the program, it can't happen fast enough for our team because, you know, we're backing it with the SEC and everything everybody else is doing, but we're also doing it with that crew up, to, up the road that likes to wear those candy stripe pants and stuff. 
I'll let you guys figure out what Lanks is talking about there. But, uh, you know, obviously outside of playing five years in the NFL, Lanks, he came back, he did some radio work. And then you and Preston Thorne, another former Gamecock, started Just a Chicken, a children's book series. It's really outstanding and well done and illustrated by Kev Roche, who's here in Columbia. Just talk about how you guys got the idea, uh, Langston, and uh, what's next in the Just a Chicken series. Well, um, like I said, we were always ambitious and wanted to do a whole bunch of different things. So my partner, I I vividly remember it was 2010. I was still out there in Arizona living uh, when I played with the Cardinals and Preston Thorne came out there, Bennett and a couple other guys. And of course, you know, I'm not saying it was a think tank session. It was more so just us to kind of, you know, boys weekend and Langston got a house. Let's do it. Uh, But we ultimately started throwing around these ideas and things that we talked about before about writing books. So, of course, we're like, man, let's write this leadership book. We can be like Lou Holtz and, you know, leadership uh, winning every day. You know, we're only 26 years old, but we know everything about life and we can put it all into a text. And we didn't know anything. We wrote it. It was sucked. It was terrible. And we just kept working just like with football, because we always tell the story, you know, the first time we ever played football, you're usually pretty bad, but you keep showing up every day. So eventually we kept showing up. We got more ideas. We remember the story Coach Holtz used to always tell us about an eagle that fell into a turkey coop. And one day uh, the eagle was looking up when he was sitting on the ground with the rest of the turkeys. And he was like, yo, what's that? And all the other turkeys were like, yo, that's the eagle, man. He, you know, they, they got wings, they fly and they'll never, you know, we're, we're just turkeys. We don't ever, we don't fly like that. And so again, that was something Coach Holtz used to always tell us about uh, this story about, you know, who you surround yourself with and all these different things. So we took that and adapted it to kind of our own deal with just the chicken. And, you know, a lot of us just think, oh man, we're just, just chicken. We're just game guys. We'll never win. We'll never do those things because that was a lot of the narrative. My dad being a Carolina guy growing up in South Carolina, all these different things. So we've heard this and sometimes you can fall into that lovable loser too much. And that just becomes who you are, but now nah, everybody wants to win. So we took that partnered up with Kevin Roche, who does phenomenal work with ESPN, who again is another local product. Uh, went to Carolina, public school kids. So we wanted to adapt all those things, put them together, but more so come back and show kids like, you know, the hard work you put in with football or basketball or baseball or anything, you know, that's, those are great skill sets and you can apply that to anything. We just happen to apply them to trying to be authors and create something for ourselves, what, what we like to say next play. Uh, and again, these are all football mantras and tropes that we we grew up, but we just started adapting it to literacy because, you know, having my mom was a teacher, my wife's a teacher, Preston's been in education. Uh, all the great coaches I've ever had have been great teachers and mentors. So it was really cool for us to kind of put all these things and put them into books. And like we always say, when you get a book in your hand, you get the you get the best version of what somebody is thinking and all those stuff. So even though it's 28 pages and it took three uh, college graduates to put all those 28 pages together, we hope we put our message together really clear and concise. And, and again, we have fun touring around the country and going everywhere from South Carolina to Texas to all these different places to visit schools has been really, really fun for us and we enjoyed it. Well, it is a terrific book, Langston. Again, that's just a chicken. There's two of the books out now. It's not only great for your kids, but it's great for adults, especially if you grew up uh, as a USC fan. It does have a really good message about that in there. But that'll wrap us up for Countdown to Kickoff Week 5. I do appreciate everybody tuning in. Also appreciate everybody tuning in to my newsletter, Gamecocks Now. Uh, It is a two-week free trial if you want to sign up. And that's got a lot of my insights about the Gamecocks that doesn't always make it into the paper. So thanks for joining, everybody. Thanks to Langston Moore for joining me. And, uh, you know, we'll be talking to you soon after South Carolina plays Troy this weekend. This is David Kloniger, Charleston Post and Courier. We'll see you on Saturday.